You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. Amen. And let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, your people and their faithfulness to be in this place today. I pray that you would speak to us, give us what we need. I thank you for the great singing we've heard, the time of fellowship. I thank you for the Sunday school classes that met this morning. I thank you for our bus ministry and the bus classes and the junior churches and everything that's going on this hour. I pray that you would speak to hearts. And if there's anyone uh, that does not know Christ as Savior, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. I pray for those who are listening today by way of radio, those watching uh, by way of uh, live stream, I pray that you would speak to them. And Lord, I pray that we all would be challenged and I pray that we would be changed uh, to be more and more like Jesus every day. We pray your blessing upon the preaching of your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I've got some good news for you. Uh, this message, I'm going to give you the first part this morning, and I'm going to give you the second part this evening. You say, why is that good news? Because I could give you both parts this morning, and it would roll into the afternoon. So whenever a pastor says, I'm going to break this up into two parts, that's a good place to say amen. It's a good time to smile and nod, and it's a great time to be encouraged. Um, you know, it's amazing after all we've had for Thanksgiving and all the good food, uh, I'm already getting hungry again. You know, I'm ready for lunch, and so I won't keep you long this morning. But uh, God birthed this message in my heart a few weeks ago. I began to study the passages on Thanksgiving and being thankful. And this is not a Thanksgiving message, but it started by 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18. I'll get to this verse tonight. But the Bible says, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Uh, I hope that that is true in our lives. I hope that we are uh, not selective uh, in the times and season, seasons in which we give thanks, but I hope we're thankful people all year round. Uh, Thanksgiving is, is highlighted in November, but we ought to be so thankful in December and January and February, and we ought to be thankful in the good times and in the bad times, but thankfulness ought to be a characteristic of a child of God. But as I began to study this passage, I, I kind of just, it kind of kept growing, and I kept going behind the verse and ahead of the verse, and uh, this, this thought just really got a hold of me this past week, because this is all about how we should live 
knowing that Jesus is coming again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, probably the, the most detailed and most descriptive passage about the rapture. I use it almost every single time I do a graveside service for a funeral. The Bible says in verse number 16 of chapter 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then verse number 18 says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And then chapter 5, Paul goes into the fact that he shouldn't have to tell us, he shouldn't have to tell the church at Thessalonica of how to be ready for Jesus coming because here is when Jesus is coming. Are you ready for this? He's coming when you least expect it. He's coming quickly, suddenly, without warning. The Bible uses the, the description of a thief in the night. Now, if you've ever had a thief that has come to your house at night, uh, first of all, that's not a good thing. But the thief comes because you're not ready. I'm not ready. We're not prepared. If you would have known, you'd never let the thief in the house, right? You'd be waiting out in the front yard with a loaded shotgun. But a thief doesn't send a, a, a letter in the mail. A thief doesn't send a text message. A thief doesn't give a, a warning phone call. And can I tell you, when Jesus comes, he's coming suddenly. He's coming quickly. You say, well, well why is it a thief in the night? Because if you're not saved, you ought to be scared about that. And if a person does not know Christ, that ought to be something that, that, that shocks you. That ought to be something that gets your attention because if you do not know Christ, I want to tell you, there are serious consequences when Jesus comes. However, for those of us that know Christ, the Bible says we can receive comfort from these words. This, this encourages us, this helps us, this blesses us to know that Jesus is coming again. I want you to see quickly in this passage, number one, the coming. Verse number 23 of chapter 5, the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, it tells us how the Lord is coming. It tells us that he's coming. You can mark it down. You can take it to the bank. Jesus Christ is coming as sure as I'm standing here. I know he's coming. He's coming. We must be ready. Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, he said, I shouldn't have to remind you, but he does anyway. Reminds me of something I do sometimes with my girls. I'm sure Lacey and Vanna, they probably get tired of hearing this. But I'll tell them, I'll remind them about something, and I'll say, I'm sure you already know this, but I go ahead and tell them again, right? I'm sure you're already planning on this, but I just wanted to let you know, and I tell them what it is. Well, Paul says, you already know it, but let me just say it one more time. And friend, we ought not get tired of hearing about the fact that Jesus is coming again. We need reminders. You say, why do we need reminders? Because sometimes we live like he's not coming. Sometimes we live and we get so stressed and we get so worried about everything that's going on down here. But I want to tell you, all it's going to take is the sound of the trumpet, the shout, the voice of the archangel, and you're not going to have to worry about any problems down here because this world is not our home. We are just a passing through. Paul reminds the people that Jesus is coming. And maybe after Thanksgiving, 
And maybe in the busyness of the Christmas season, maybe you and I just need to be reminded one more time that Jesus Christ could come today. He is coming. The Bible says he's coming quickly, meaning suddenly. You say, well, pastor, if he's coming like a thief in the night, uh, if he is, is coming suddenly, if he's coming quickly, then how can we be prepared if we don't know when he's coming? Well, the truth is, the way we can be prepared is by living every day and every moment as if this could be the day that he comes. Paul admonishes the church at Thessalonica. He says, let us watch and be sober. In, in, in contrast of being sleeping and being drunk, Paul says, be awake and be sober. Jesus is coming. As Christians, every day is a battle. Every day is a race. Every day is an opportunity. And our life is so short, it is as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We must be ready for his coming. Secondly, I see the consequences of his coming. We've already said this, but for the saved person, the, the overwhelming thought and the overwhelming sentiment is when Jesus comes, it's going to be a wonderful day. It's going to be a glad day. But can I tell you, there are still some consequences. And here's what I mean. If you hold your place in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and turn back with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 is right after 1 and 2 Peter. You get to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number, uh, 1 John 2, verse number 28. Let me turn the page here. The Bible says that now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now think about that. When Jesus comes, this is, was written to Christians. This was written to children of God. But yet, in the epistle of John, 1 John, the, the writer says, you and I need to be ready because we do not want to be ashamed when he comes back. Now, I think most of us in this room could probably relate to this. Uh, I grew up in a home, my wife, very similar, we're the oldest of seven children. And uh, I have memories, I was with my sister Jill last week, and we were talking about babysitters. And my sister Jill, who is six, six years younger than I am, she said, Jeremy, I don't really remember those stories about the babysitters. And it clicked. <laughs> That's because I became the babysitter, right? You say, say, Jeremy, why would your parents choose you to babysit? Were you qualified? No. Were you good at it? No. Were you patient with your siblings? No. But I was cheap and I was easy, right? You know, it's like, how much do I get for it? You get to live in this house. You get to eat at this table. You know how that goes. How many of you ever had to babysit your younger siblings? Let me see your hands. Oh my, the stories that could be told about that, right? But I remember as babysitter, I really knew, we, number one, we had to keep everybody alive, right? That was good. And we couldn't burn the house down. But then the third thing was, when mom and dad got home, it needed to at least look like a tornado had not come through the house. And mom and dad, they really wouldn't know exactly when they were getting back. And this was before cell phones and all of that. And so, you know how you knew they were coming? You'd hear them pulling the driveway. And it's amazing how much work can get done in one household from the time that a car pulls into the driveway to the time that mom and dad walk in that front door. And you know what we did? We did our best to make sure we were ready. 
But the problem is we waited till we heard him pull up. We waited until the last minute. Well, friend, when that trumpet sounds, there's not going to be a last-minute rush. There's not going to be a last opportunity. There's not going to be another chance to witness. There's not going to be a time to say, oh, I'm going to get right with God now. That's why we must be prepared so that we will not be ashamed. When mom and dad walked in that house and it was a wreck and I was the oldest and I was the babysitter, guess who was responsible? You're looking at them. And the consequences were that there were times when I was ashamed when they got home. But not only the consequences for the saved, but I see there are consequences for the unsaved. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 that whosoever was not found written in the book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire. Notice verse number three of 1 Thessalonians 5. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And here's what it says. And they shall not escape. If you're here today and you do not know Christ, when Jesus comes back, when that trumpet sounds, when that rapture takes place, the Bible says it will be too late for you if you've already heard, if you've already had an opportunity, if you've already had an opportunity to trust Christ and you have rejected him, the Bible says you will not escape. The Bible says you will be sent a, a strong delusion. You'll believe a lie. Can I tell you, friend, don't wait until it is too late. Today is the day to trust Christ as Savior. We, as God's people, were called in this passage children of light. We are not of the night. We are not of the darkness. The Bible says, let us not sleep. That means uh, let's not be ignorant. Let's not be unaware. Uh, let's not be a, 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 a slack concerning our responsibility. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of yesteryear, he illustrates this passage in three very interesting ways. Number one, he says this. As Christians, if we are asleep on our assignment, he said it would be like a, a city that was infected with a plague and people were dying from the plague and people uh, were losing their lives and people were crying out and weeping and wailing over the loss of life and yet in that city there was a doctor who had the remedy but he was asleep. Spurgeon goes on to explain there's a ship and the ship is in a storm and the passengers are panicking and the crew is panicking. Meanwhile, the captain of the ship is asleep in his chamber. He gives one last illustration concerning this passage and he says, it's like a prisoner who is about to be executed. And that prisoner is given his last words and the executioner comes in and the executioner carries out uh, that death sentence on that prisoner. Meanwhile, there was a messenger who had been given of the pardon. And the messenger kept the pardon in his pocket and the messenger fell asleep and the messenger did not deliver the pardon. And that man lost his life because somebody was sleeping. Now, friend, I want to tell you as Christians, that's why we can't be asleep. That's why we've got to be awake. That's why we've got to be alert because there are people all around us that need Jesus. Amen. And we know Jesus and we've got the answer and we've got the remedy and we have a no, we know the way out. We know the way of escape. We know the plan of salvation and may God help us to examine the consequences for those who are unsaved, who do not know Christ and may we do all we can to reach them while we can. Number one, I see in this passage 
the coming. Number two, the consequences. But thirdly, I see the comfort. It says that we are to comfort one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. Now, that means that these words are comforting. And so you could take a Bible and you could hand somebody a Bible and say, read it. And, and that's not a bad thing to do. That's what we've tried to do for these past many months. We've given uh, a New Testament uh, to every home in Roanoke Rapids. We've given a, a New Testament to every home in Gaston. We're working on Garysburg. We're working on Weldon. We'll get to Halifax and we'll get to Littleton. And we're trying to give a Bible. Why? Because we just believe everybody needs this book right here. Everybody needs to know what God has to say. So you can give somebody a Bible, but there's some people that maybe won't take a Bible, or maybe some people who have a Bible and haven't read it, have not read it. But you know what we can do? We can remind people the good news. We can comfort one another. We can encourage one another. Maybe there's somebody this week who's discouraged. Maybe somebody's gotten some bad news. Maybe somebody is going through some, some testing, or maybe somebody's facing a surgery. Brother Mike, tomorrow. And, and, and can I tell you, you know what we all need? We all need some comfort. We all need some encouragement. And, and it's free. You don't have to pay. You don't have to, you don't have to go to the bank and, 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 and put in a deposit to get out comfort. Can I tell you, comfort and encouragement is free and it's available to all of us. This week, let's comfort one another. The Bible says in verse number nine, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That is comforting to know. Verse number 10, he died for us that we, whether we awake or sleep, we should live together with him. That's comforting to know that Jesus died for me, that Jesus died so that I could live with him. And then verse number 11 of chapter five, Brother Daniel read this, the last verse he read. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do. I want to ask you this week, we've talked a lot about being thankful, and I hope this week you said thank you a lot. I hope you wrote thank you. I hope you texted thank you. I hope you spoke on the phone to somebody and said thank you this week. But I want to encourage you this next week and these, these weeks leading up to Christmas, I want to challenge us to encourage somebody. Wouldn't it be great if we said every day, I want to encourage a different person? The story is told of a musician you may have heard of. His name is George Frederick Handel. He was very talented, very famous, but yet Handel faced adversity. There were several times that he was almost bankrupt. He was very discouraged. He was very depressed. He suffered rejection. He suffered failure. And then to make matters worse, he experienced a, a stroke or a seizure of some kind that caused his right arm to go limp. He lost a feeling in four of his fingers on his right hand, and uh, he was very, very depressed as a musician and as an uh, uh, instrumentalist and as a composer. And eventually he recovered from that, but he was ready to call it quits. The month was April of 1741, and he decided he would retire, and so he did one final concert. That was in April. In August, there was a friend of his. His name was Charles Jennings. Charles Jennings visited Handel. He gave him some encouragement, and then he gave him the text of an opera. This opera was all about the life of Jesus Christ. And something happened in Handel. Something stirred inside of him. Again, 
he had almost been bankrupt. He had been so discouraged and so depressed and he was ready to retire and he had retired. He'd given his final concert. Oh, but four months later, something happened. And you know what it was? It was somebody who encouraged him. It was somebody that brought a word of encouragement at the right time and something changed inside of Handel. He spent the next 24 days he wrote 260 pages of manuscript for the famous Messiah that we all know and love. They say that that Messiah was a masterpiece, one of the greatest uh, compositions, one of the greatest works of music of all time. And it happened after he was ready to be done. It happened when he felt like he had nothing else he could give. It happened when he was ready to throw in the towel. And what was the difference? It was somebody that God used in his life to encourage him. Now, friend, I don't think that Charles Jennings had any idea that his word of encouragement and his time of help would make such a drastic difference in the life of this musician. But it did. And I want to tell you, you have no idea the difference that you can make in somebody else. You say, oh, pastor, I don't believe in all that stuff. Exactly. And you know why you don't? Because you're discouraged. And because you think because you're discouraged, you think everybody else needs to be discouraged. But you obviously haven't read the Bible recently. And you obviously haven't spent time with the Lord recently. Because when you get a hold of God and God gets a hold of you, and you get in the Bible and the Bible gets in you, you realize that there is hope in Christ. And you realize that life is not over. And you realize that as long as you have breath, as long as God has given you a heart that is still beating, there is hope for you and there is hope for me, no matter how bad the circumstances might be. I see there's comfort. Verse number 28, the very last verse in this chapter, the Bible says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Friend, you know why there's comfort? Because it all starts and it all ends with the grace of God. Brother uh, Chad, Miss Bethany, they're with the junior church, but they sang that song, were it not for grace? Can I tell you, if it weren't for God's grace in your life and mine, we'd already be in hell. If it weren't for God's grace, we would have no hope. But I'm glad to tell you today, because of the grace of God, there is hope for you and hope for me. Let's share that with somebody this week. Let's be the comfort. Let's be the encouragement to one another. I see number four, quickly, I see the confidence. You say, Pastor, I don't know that I have it in me. I don't know that I have the ability to encourage somebody. I don't know that I have the ability to keep myself encouraged. Well, I'm glad you don't have to do it on your own. And I don't have to do it on my own because verse 24 says this, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You know what Paul reminds the church? He says, it's not you anyway. And it's not me anyway. It's a faithful God who has called you. It's a faithful God who has started a good work in you. And he will finish it. He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And our confidence is not in ourselves, but our confidence is in God. If you say, well, okay, I'm going to go encourage somebody this week. And I'm going to do all I can to help them. Well, what happens when you get worn out? What happens when you get discouraged? That's when we go back to this book. 
Like David in 1 Samuel, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And there's got to be a time in your life and a time in my life when we say, I'm going to turn off the television. I'm going to turn off Facebook. I'm going to stop reading the newspaper. I'm going to stop hanging around people that are negative and critical. And I'm going to get alone with God. And I'm going to let God do a work in my life that can change me so that I can help somebody else. I see our confidence is in God. He is faithful who has called us, who also will do it. What's God going to do in your life? He's going to do everything he promised. What's God going to do in my life? He's going to do everything he said he would do and so much more because God is faithful. And then I see lastly in this passage, verse 23, I see there's a completion. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with this thought. It's very simple, but yet I think it's a, a very powerful thought for all of us. You know, sometimes we look at church and we say, I need help spiritually. And we all need help spiritually, right? And we don't just need help spiritually on Sundays. We need help spiritually all, every day of the week. But God's not just interested in the spiritual side of you, although that's the most important. But this verse says that God's going to get a hold of your spirit. That's the spiritual side. He's going to get a hold of your soul. That's the emotional part of you. Uh, that's the, the thinking and the thought process, processes. And that's the, some of the feelings and the emotions that you have. It's the, the control center of your body. God's going to work on your spirit. God's going to work on your soul, and God's also going to work on your body. Now, it's in that order, by the way. And sometimes we get it out of order. Sometimes we say, if I could just get my, my body in tip-top shape, then everything will be fine. Well, I think that's a good thing to do, but it's not supposed to be in that order. Number one is the spiritual. Number one is, is, is what is God trying to do in your heart and life, and what does God want you to be? How is your relationship with the Lord? And the Bible tells us that God is interested in our completion. God's not just interested in one part. God's not just interested in one category. God is interested in all of you. He cares about your spirit. That's the spiritual side. Let me ask you this morning, how are you doing spiritually? You go to a doctor and the doctor will give you a, a, a list of all the things you need to do physically, but maybe you need to take inventory spiritually. How are you doing in your Bible reading? How are you doing in your prayer life? How are you doing in your, your witnessing? How are you doing in your serving? How are you doing in your giving? How are you doing in, in, in being committed and yielded and sanctified and set apart for God? How are you doing in those areas? I say, well, pastor, to be honest with you, I need some work. Well, join the crowd. We all do, right? But let's, let's do it. Let, let's let God work on us and let's allow God to do the spiritual work. How are you doing emotionally? For some, you say, I feel like I'm doing okay spiritually, but emotionally, I'm, I get so discouraged, and I get so depressed, and I get so, I get so negative, and I become so critical, and all those things. And I want to tell you, God can help you with that too. Aren't you glad that God's not just limited to one category? He can do a work in you. And maybe it's your body. Maybe it's physical. Maybe there's a need. Maybe there's a surgery. Maybe there's some testing. Maybe there's something going on. I want to tell you this. God can heal that. And God can help you, spirit, soul, and body. Verse number 23, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless 
unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, I want to tell you, Jesus is coming. And what a comfort that ought to be. What, what a blessing that ought to be for us to know that he's coming back. The song is in our blue hymn book. We, we sing it from time to time. But the songwriter said, marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the king. Jesus is coming again. And he is coming. Let's make sure that those words come off of our mouth this week. Let's remind one another, Jesus is coming again. As Paul said, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus is coming again. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.